Welcome to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Silito. This podcast is a result of my purpose to help ambitious business owners like you avoid stress, overwhelm, and burnout in the workplace. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned about how to grow a profitable business, stay fit and healthy, maintain strong relationships, and develop the right mindset for success. So you can thrive, feel inspired, and work at your full potential. Perfectionism is a disease. That is the topic of the podcast today. Many hyperachievers are very focused on perfectionism. They hold themselves to really high standards. And as a result, they also hold other people to really high standards. And that can create pressure. It can create anxiety, not just for the the team, but also for the person that's holding the expectations for themselves. And it's really common in hyperachievers and business leaders, ambitious CEOs, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, see it all the time, these, these high expectations. And it can create a really toxic culture. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I had to learn it the hard way myself. And what was surprising to me was that I wouldn't have regarded myself as a perfectionist. But when it's your own thing, when you've got a goal, when you've got a dream, and it's your baby, and it's a business you are trying to create, you might find that you become less tolerant of people's mistakes, particularly when they fall short. So I'm going to be talking about that. I'm going to share my experience of how I had to make that shift from a leadership perspective, how I had to make a move from being a supervisor, manager type person, whether it was in my sales management roles, leading teams, and, and leading Team GB. So if you're picking this up, if you are picking up the, the live on LinkedIn, let me know. Give me a like. Just let me know that you are watching the live. Or if you're picking up the replay, let me know if you're picking up the replay. It's good to understand who's picking up the replay and who, who isn't. And of course, if you want to catch this in your own time, you can always subscribe to the YouTube channel and pick it up or uh, iTunes. We're on iTunes and Spotify, so you can pick it up there. And I'm going to be sharing some questions at the end of this as well from some of our viewers and listeners who send me some questions around how to avoid overwhelm, get more done, scale your business without burning out. So, okay, let's look at this then, this, this idea of perfectionism. So whenever I was in a, a sales management role, usually through a meritocracy, so I'd been recognized for my talent and then was given a, a management role. We see it all the time in the sales world. And wrongly or rightly, that's really what most people do, right? Most businesses do. They, they recognize your talent. It's a, it's a meritocracy. And because you've, you can role model, you are then put in a management role and you expect to, to lift the team and inspire them, even though we haven't necessarily even learned the tools and the skills to do it, which was my case back in you know, 2006 when I landed my first proper regional sales management role. And of course, because I'd had a lot of experience, I'd done well, I'd been a high achiever, I just thought I'd just get everybody doing the same thing I did and do it, follow my process. It works. It's perfect. Do that. And when people didn't do it, I just couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand, particularly if they weren't performing, right? If they were underperforming and they weren't following the process, I became really, I just didn't have the tolerance for it. And I would get emotional about it. It would show in my face, even though I would try and calm myself. But my desire, which I didn't realize, recognize at the time, because I don't think anyone would have judged me as being a perfectionist, but I was definitely putting that that high expectation on other people. And because I put high expectations on myself to have the highest performing sales team, to tell my, you know, my boss that I would get this team into the top, you know, tier, I had that, that high expectations. 
And in some ways, it served me well. It served me well in sports, you know, to have high expectations. But sometimes we've got to be tolerant of ourselves, tolerant of our mistakes, that we are failing forward, and that other people are, are making mistakes, and it's normal, it's human behavior. But the real shift for me, the real change happened when I was coaching Team GB, when I went into that locker room for the first time and started working with the team. And again, because in some ways a meritocracy, I played in 11 World Championships for Team GB. I was the first British player to play in the North American Roller Hockey Championships at a professional level. I'd had an amazing career playing roller hockey. So I'd gone into the GB locker room as the head coach with huge expectations on myself that we would go up into the top eight countries of the world. We would play at the highest level and do things that Great Britain had never done. The problem was we had a really, that the locker room wasn't in great shape, put it this way. You know, it was, had underperformed the year before and just because of new players coming through and there was players that weren't getting along with each other and I'd come in and I hadn't really acknowledged that. And what I realized is that I had to make that shift from being the person who was the, the manager of the team, the, the kind of supervisor mindset, even though I was the coach and I've got experience, I realized that I had to be a facilitator. I had to ask questions. I had to start to really get the players to think differently about their potential. And you can't motivate people. You can't tell people to be better. You can't, it's like saying to a basketball player, you need to be taller. It's impossible, right? You, 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 we have to have the conversations. So it comes from a facilitation mindset rather than a supervisor mindset or management mindset. We have to be that, integrate that leadership capability. And for me, that philosophy of ask, don't tell, that ability to go in and work with your team and ask questions or even ask questions of yourself. Or if you're a solopreneur, get a coach, get them to ask you the questions so that you can start to think that way and think more creatively. And what I find now, and I've got a team now of 12 people on our team, and they're all working on different tasks and different things and different expertise. And sometimes it doesn't meet my expectation. And it doesn't, it doesn't meet my expectation. And I have to be tolerant. I have to compose myself. I have to relax. I have to think, well, what is it I've done or not done as a leader that's created that? What information have I not passed on or guidance or clarity or what questions have I not asked to help one of my team members really think through what they're supposed to be doing? And when we become brilliant facilitators, when we become facilitators of change, that's when we see the shift happen. That's when we see traction and we start to relax we, we have more composure, we have more clarity, and we start to see the bigger picture. We start to spot the opportunities, and we help others spot the opportunities as well. So my summary, if you are a perfectionist, and I expect you are on some scale, particularly if you, you know, you're running your own business, you're a business leader, you've got yourself to a certain level, you're a hyperachiever, right? Then I expect there's a level of perfectionism in there. And it's about being tolerant of yourself, And as you build your team out, work with your team, it's being tolerant of others so that you don't create that pressure and potentially that toxic culture. Think, ask, don't tell, think, facilitator with your team. If you're a solopreneur, get a coach, get them to ask you the questions so you can think differently about your own potential and make sure you're being forgiving of yourself. Some self-efficacy, as we like to talk about. Okay, So let's look at some of the questions that have come through. 
First of all, uh, I see Claire Mohammed is on LinkedIn. She says, good morning, Andrew. I'm totally a recovering perfectionist. Well, the first thing is acceptance, right? When you're a recovering perfectionist. So acknowledging it, I think, is, is key. Absolutely. We all need to acknowledge that. Thank you, Claire. Saint is on LinkedIn. He's saying, love this, Andrew. Perfectionists are too often unaware of the impact this corrosive behavior has on others. The odds are pretty good that no one is holding you to the same standards that you're holding yourself. So getting good is good enough. Absolutely. That's such such great clarity, Saint. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, let's look at some of the questions and insights that have come in from our listeners. It's one of my favorite parts of the show where we get to kind of explore some of these big questions or insights from business owners, business leaders who have been there, done it, and made some massive improvements on their well-being through making some changes. So first question, but this one comes up a lot, which is from Daniel Evans. He says, how do you know you're burnt out? Okay, you are not burnt out if you don't know if you're, not, if you're burnt out or not. Let's just put it that way. They, I used to have a picture where I'm getting punched in the face. It was just like this. You might have seen it. And it's, it's the picture on, on the Scale Without Burnout podcast. And it represents the punch in the face we don't see coming. It represents the insidious nature of burnout. And when it comes, it comes and it hits you, it blindsides you. And it's not something you sleep off, right? You don't just kind of think, oh, I just have the weekend off or a couple of days. It doesn't work that way. It's like it's closer linked to chronic fatigue. So it's we we are desperately trying to avoid burnout. That's what this is all about, is being proactive. So if you know burnout is coming, waking up three o'clock in the morning, and I'm not talking about just waking up and feeling groggy or whatever. I'm waking up and feeling like you're ready to go, you know, because there's so much on your mind. That's a sign. Overeating, undereating. In some cases, if you are overwhelmed and, and becoming disengaged with your business and you don't want to get out of bed in the morning, there's an essence of depression kicking in because you've created a business that you just don't feel like you want to be part of anymore. The role's got to change and you just keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself. That can lead to burnout. You know, so... Burnout is if you if you experience burnout, it it, wipe, it wipes you out, right? You go into a in some way a state of depression, and you it's hard to face some of the things that you would normally find easy to do. So let's avoid burnout. You start to feel over. Stress is fine. Stress is good. It's healthy. It's you know every now and then it puts into action. It means we're out of our comfort zone. A little bit of stress, but let's not put into panic. Put ourselves into a panic mode, which I've talked about a lot on previous shows. Another question here. And this is brilliant, by the way. And this question is from Rob White at S3. And I love this question and I can answer it. Why do I hear about executives and knowledge workers suffering from burnout, but I never hear about physically physical workers like miners, laborers and plumbers suffering with burnout? It's a great question. And the reason why it's a great question is because it illustrates what executives and entrepreneurs and business owners need to be thinking about when it comes to uh, avoiding burnout. And this is it. Miners, laborers, plumbers. It's simplicity. It's clarity of what is in front of me right now and what I need to do. I, I wrote a blog called Why I Would Prefer to Be a Plumber. And the, the reason is, is the simplicity, the direction, the curiosity, the problem solving. Plumbers save more lives in certain parts of the world than doctors by providing plumbing and, and fresh clean water, right? But it's that clarity, it's that curiosity, it's that mastery that Daniel Pink talks about in the book Drive, the Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. 
purpose, mastery, you know, these things that, that motivate us to, to do well. And I think a laborer, you know, using these, these examples, plumber, miner, it's the clarity of what is in front of us. And when I speak to eight figure, nine figure uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, they know how to make money because they keep it simple. People with a scarcity mindset, they get overwhelmed and bogged down with things, complicate things. They think to achieve something, it must be difficult. Therefore, I have to complicate it to make it feel like I'm doing the right thing. When I have simplicity, then it must be too easy. Simplic- keep it simple, simple, simple. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Remember that one. The, the old cliche adage. Okay, a couple more insights. This is from Paul Smith, who's run an incredible business. Over the last seven years, he's gone from zero to 20 million. I believe he's a recruitment business. He's done it in seven years. A lot of mistakes along the way. He talks about the importance of getting your head out of the business. So he says, hire external consultants, clearly a fan of that one, who can look at your business to work on the business and not in the business. So he's saying that if you get a consultant, you can get get you away from the business, working on the business. And I think that's the same whether you are running a a business of one person, five people, or 80,000 people in a FTSE 100. You know, you need an executive coach to get your head out of the business so you can work on it and keep growing it and developing it. He says, keep reading and listening podcasts. You know, so that, that learn something new. We talk about this a lot in the Four Keys program. Learn something new. Just keep learning. And he said, I'd wish I'd found the book Tribal Leadership at the start of his career eight years ago before he had been <laughs> eight years in. So check out that book. And you as great advice from Paul Smith. Thank you, Paul Smith. And Charlotte Clark, who works in talent, she said, I recently found that working from home with three kids was really challenging, particularly transitioning from home office back into the rest of the house. I now take 10 minutes after shutting off my computer and I do non-work tasks to shut my brain down, shut off from work so that I can give give the family the full attention. I would really love to know how others are doing this successfully. Well, I think that's a great tip. You know, whether you go for a walk, clear the mind at the end of, you know, shut the laptop. Remember, you normally for commuting, you might be getting on the train, you might be going for walking back from work. You just have that moment just to shut things down versus putting a laptop down and going straight into the kitchen and then it's kind of back to family life. So that balance between professional and personal. Uh, Keep hitting the four keys every day. That's always my recommendation, obviously, because I wrote a book about it, Business, Body, Relationships, Mindset. And, And on that, next week, it's the live four keys workshop. We're running it every month. We've got uh, three days next week. I hope you are joining us for the workshop, fourkeyswork.com. Link is in the comments. Check it out. It's an hour on Monday, an hour on Tuesday, an hour on Wednesday. Join us and the team, and we're going to be working on your vision, your 90-day reset, and your legacy on the, over those three days. There are three modules that we're going to be looking on. It's completely free. If you know my purpose and why I do this work, you'll understand why it's free and why I want to get people changing the way they think. There is another way, and it it upsets me when I hear this statistic of 20% more people die in the early hours of a Monday morning, brought on by stress and anxiety and fear of facing the work. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, you know, or working in a corporate environment, you know, clarity, keeping it simple, clear roadmap, that's what makes a difference and helps us avoid overwhelm. Doing nothing can cause overwhelm. Confusion, not knowing what your expectations are of yourself, that can create overwhelm. It's not overworking, sometimes it's underworking that causes the stress. Okay, let's just go back here. All right, see if there are a few more questions coming through. 
I think some people agree with Saint on his point. Paul Wells there saying, a great show as always. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening in, Paul. And uh, I think that's Chris who has put a few links on there as well on the dates for the workshop next week. It's going to be amazing. Join us. It will be amazing. It's live with me and the team. And you'll be surrounded by some amazing senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners who are leveling up. I'll see you there. Sign up. Until next time, stay well, stay safe. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. For more free resources and content on how to grow and lead your business and become the best version of yourself, head over to andrewsilito.com.